I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to uh, Unashamed. Jace, you were telling us a story um, that you about your poker reunion. I, I thought it <laughs> Yeah, for all you uh, legalists out there, you might already go do something else. Hide your ears. But uh, I am not a gambler. And, uh, you know, if you do things for entertainment purposes, it's fine anyway. I always love the disclaimer. Jet, what's your line, Jess? Yeah, it's not gambling if you can't lose. <laughs> Yeah, if I know I'm gonna win, uh, see my wife who's no, never. You're, you're you're not you're not gambling, but I wonder if some of the people who you're taking their money are. So I, uh, yes. Robertson. I, um, you're right. Sorry. So it's I knew you. You don't even know the story I'm fixing to tell. But uh, when we were no when we were teenagers, and uh, we you know we read verses like the Lord went to these groups of people, the tax collectors and the sinners. Well, you know these tax collectors. What do they do? What do, what do tax collectors do? Collect taxes. They collect taxes. So there's a game that's called poker. <laughs> and uh, it's a similar <laughs> function oh as to a tax collector. <laughs> People bring <Wow>. money. <laughs> they sit down. And there's a tax to teach you how to play oh. this game better. And so... <laughs> The same guys, not just me. So you're the tax collector. Yes. Okay, I get it. In this city. <laughs> by the way, by the way, this you're, is not in the Bible. But this is not in the Bible. <laughs> you're very, I was fixing to say, there's no verse that speaks out against it. That, not that one. That is true. Except in fact, they, there uh, shall be no gambling with the hard-earned. But actually, Jason, your anyway. analogy is, is pretty good because the people that are paying the tax do not like the tax collector. I mean, they're they're coming, but you're you're not exactly a liked man. So Just, we're you know we we have we played at Willie's for years and uh, and brought a lot of people to Jesus through our ventures, as hard as that is to believe. Yep. And we would tell people, look, if you can't afford this, or you you know if you have a problem, or if this leads to something else, we would have numerous conversations with people frivolously using their money. Right. But what we were doing as a family is, you know, playing cards for small amounts of money to, yeah. to where everybody's budgets are. And every, so, every year on the vacation, everybody play. I mean, everybody wives plays. The, the and I'll let you tell who usually wins. Uh, Zach has been a part of some of those games. I've been a part of some, and before it was poker, you have to keep in mind, this goes back to, to Monopoly, to Spades, to, to Dominoes, to, I mean, it's the Hearts, to Rook. I mean, there has, I mean, this is not, I mean, right. this is not just poker. I mean, this and, is everything, and, right? And for you who are saying this is sinful, I will confess my sins. For years when I had no money, the only way I could make money to spend, have money, because whatever I did for my job, I gave Missy all my money. Because we didn't, we didn't have much. Yep. So if I wanted any money, I had to go play cards. <laughs> and uh, it's <laughs> like it's like that golfer said. Who was the golfer who said, "You want pressure?" Because they said, "You know, how do you?" Uh, what was the guy? Yeah, it's uh, Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino. He said, "You know, how do you get up there and handle the nerves when you're when you you're know, putting that, for a putt to win the tournament? Win the tournament and win a million dollars?" He said, "Oh, that's not pressure at all." He said, "What's pressure is when I was up and coming, and I." got to make a putt for five dollars 
and I didn't have five dollars in my pocket. That's right. And so <laughs> that's you either learned how to play this game of skill where luck is involved, called poker, or you lose all your money and go do something else. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So <laughs> about a, a few nights ago, we had a bit because we've all gotten busy. I don't play cards like I used to. I mean, you know, I I, I try to show up at a game here and there, but I hadn't played in weeks. And uh, we had a little poker reunion type uh, of... We're getting the band back together. We're getting the band back together. It was Willie, the people in my family who were there, Willie, myself, and Cy. And we had a little poker reunion. Remember the time we used to play down at Willie's and all this? And it was so funny is, is nobody ever got mad except Willie when he lost. I mean, there's famous <laughs> stories about him humming the cards out through the yard or whatever. And having said that, Willie is an excellent card player. So that, to Zach's point, that goes back to our youth because I can remember a few storm offs during games from Willie back when we were kids. You oh, know, exactly. So he's, he's known for that. And so I've never played a game of cards. Never. Well, never. so you're off the hook, Phil. Yep. You didn't lead us down this. <laughs> Not because of religious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at that thing. I said, oh, no, it looked like to me. I so, thought about the losers. <laughs> I was going to give y'all a little answer because I know some of our guys play and, uh, and gals. And so uh, I was going to tell you about the game. Now, I'm not telling y'all this story because I end up, I ended up being the big winner. But that is exactly what happened. So I guess I just got lucky. Hey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, it was so funny because we played the game, all the usual suspects you know, we used to play. And there was a couple of guys who we play with now there. They just wanted to watch. And Cy's there, and Cy makes the game fun. Now, I'm going to be honest. Cy rarely wins. And Cy's got plenty of money, so nobody's worried about, you know, about that. But and and the reason he it it's not that Sai doesn't know how to play, and it's not that he's not a great player, but Sai has a has a flaw to his game, and it is that he wants to win every hand, no matter what. He he plays every hand like he wants to win. Well, it's just the law of averages and odds and statistics. sometimes you just don't have the cards you don't have the cards you you can't win every hand sometimes you, you got a fault that, that seems song, like common sense hey? yeah you know that song you know, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them yeah well, side just says you got to know when to hold them and that's every hand <laughs> and i will beat you every hand. so that's the flaw well, one thing not in your favor out of all the individuals i run up on the only person that old Matt Dillon just didn't like was gamblers. <laughs> he didn't like them. Because <laughs> it, it, it would produce I knew somehow gunfire. we would get back to gun smoke. <laughs> so, and, and these games are long. You know, they're hours. That's why we don't have time to play anymore. So, the, the, I started off, I, I lost, uh, you know, the first couple hands. I, lo I went busted. So, you know, I like the, the our game is you just rebuy. Yeah. And so, uh, I did. So, I started off bumpy. But it's a long game. It's a stay in. You hadn't right. played in a while. I, well, no, it's it's more about putting the odds and percentages in your favor. There's a reason casinos are successful. So if you can develop a game where you have the odds in the and in, in your favor, all you need is time. Eventually, 
So that, you were kind of priming the pump, too, just to let them know, OJ. It's just a mathematical yeah. equation. We're we going to beat him tonight. You come up with a formula where the odds are more in your favor, and the longer you sit there, the better chances you have. Unless so. you don't know how to fold them. Well, right. <laughs> if you're going against the odds, guess what? You're going to lose. So I need to listen so, to more Kenny Rogers. What time did the game start? What time did it start? And what time did it end? Like, how long are we talking here? The game started at 7 o'clock. The game ended, I think, at 1.30-ish. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I know you've uh, seen this before, Jace. Uh, oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, so, I, uh, Phil, I, I was doing this as a prelude to any Bible activity. Yeah, well, I was just saying. <laughs> right, go ahead. Uh, it's necessary to choose some of the men since the Judas uh, oh, you're going the casting oh, the lot. Right, casting the lots, and I'm thinking there's that's actually just more luck of the draw. There's actually more evidence of gambling, you know, in the Bible than there is what we're doing because yep. usually the same people win. So let me finish the story. So because there were two big hands that I wanted to tell you about. So one is Willie uh, played really well, executed a couple of nice bluffs. He just he's a, I mean, Willie's a solid player. Yeah. You, you he kind of he's he's a mover and a shaker and. You, he has a lot of bells and whistles in in his game, and uh, but he's actually a very excellent player. So him and Cy, I was actually involved in the hand at the start. We were playing a game called Texas Hold'em, and I'll reveal the cards in their hands beforehand. So it's you'll called know. Texas Hold'em? Yep, and it's too long to explain that. <laughs> I don't but, even want to hear about it. So Cy, has, Cy has pocket tens. He has two tens in his hand. I have ace-king, and Willie has ace-queen. Well, I would usually raise before the community cards come out. If you don't know how to play, read a book for the next two minutes. <laughs> so, But I just call because Cy is so crazy that he everything goes through Cy. Yeah. He raises all the time. He re-raises. So I was just waiting to see what Cy was going to do. You know. So I have ace-king. Cy raises, he size on my right, yeah. and uh, so I just called. Well, Willie, I think he just called. Yeah, he just called. So the flop comes out. There's a community cards. Yeah. There's a queen, and then there's two other meaningless cards, like a seven and a two. Well, Cy bets, and since I have ace king, and there's no ace or king out there because he bet big, I folded. Well, Willie re-raises Cy because he's, he's, he's got a pair of queens. Well, Cy has two tens. Now, you don't have to be a card player to understand this. Willie is way ahead here <laughs> because he has a pair of queens, and a pair of queens is better than a pair of tens. The that. only way Cy could ever win, because you still have two community cards to come, yeah. Cy's going to have to hit a ten. Well, there's only two left in the deck. Out of 52. That's why I gave you the speech about the odds I and mathematics it. and percentages. Right now, Willie, if you don't know how to play cards, has Cy in his deer feeder. <laughs> and Willie has the bullseye looking through the scope right behind the shoulder. It's all but over. The Cy then says, re-raise all in. Willie, call. I got ace-queen. Cy turns over. I got two tens. Well, everybody's sitting there thinking, what is Cy doing? This is dumb. Next card. Ten. Ten. <laughs> what does I do? That's what my. The... He says, 
Booyah! <laughs> he said, hey, the best hand won out. And then it was cricket. <laughs> I said, Si, you didn't have the best hand. Willie had a queen as Willie's gathering his gear up to exit. <laughs> Willie's not rebuying after this. So I said, well, I had the best hand before. I was like, Si, all the money went in when you were so far behind, you basically needed a miracle. One of the last two tens in the deck. So now he's feeding with adrenaline. And so he just, he raises the next hand. Well, now I feel like as a, as a card player, Si's real vulnerable because it's just like battling when we did this illustration about the, the evil one. You hey, become, so, you, so you'll know. Yeah. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Look. I'm never going to play cards. I've when, got enough. When Texas, a hold guy, Texas, hold them. I'm Texas, hold them. But look, Phil, I, I learned this from doing spiritual work. My little brain can't, can't handle it. When a guy thinks too highly of himself or too low of himself, he becomes vulnerable. Mm -hmm. yeah. Be careful now, when you Cy, stand. Cy thinks I can do no wrong. Oh, tonight's my He's night. Got more money than anybody at the table. Next hand, I have the ace three of diamonds. Uh, Sai has the eight deuce of diamonds, and he raises before the flop because he just won. On yeah. now, he's, now he's raising with one of the worst hands. He's bold now. Oh, he's raising. Well, I don't know he has that. So I call him. Well, the three community cards come out there, and there's only one diamond, and there's no ace. But I bet because I'm trying to slow Sai down over here because he's just – so I'm, I'm representing – I don't know what I was representing because I had nothing, <laughs> but I bet just I bet a smaller bet than I thought he was going to bet. It was a defensive bet, and well, everybody folded except Sai. Sai has no pairs and no draws, and he calls because this is just what Sai does. Well, the next card is another diamond, so now there's two diamonds. It takes it'll take another diamond for me to hit my flush yeah. which is the best hand possible but now that i see hope here i bet big and try to get sigh off his hand I, i'm bluffing with the best hand i didn't know that i actually have Sai technically beat he's yeah. got eight high and so i bet big well Sai calls so i don't know what he's got but he's thinking, I want another diamond because I'll have a flush. But I'll have a bigger flush because I have the ace of diamonds. Well, wouldn't you know it, the last card is another diamond. I, I now not only have side beat, I have the best hand possible. I cannot be beat. But he also has a flush, so he, he thinks he has the best. He also has a flush. So look, I did something really clever. I bet small. So Cy, he's got a flush. He says, I raise. <laughs> he raises me. He was trying to put fear in you. <laughs> Which he broke he another rule. He, he didn't realize that you are the tax collector. That's what he didn't realize. So I do a tell in poker because now since he raised me and I have the best hand possible, I had to look back down at my cards and make sure I had the best hand possible because I thought, what is this clown doing raising me? <laughs> So I re-raise. I didn't go all in because I just didn't think he would call, but I re-raised him. And so I said, call. I got a flush. And I said, well, I have the best flush possible. He said, you're sneaky. 
<laughs> and he said, I will break you and take every tip you got. And everybody laughed. You sound like Festus Hagen on Gunsmoke. <laughs> so anyway, I finished this story to say, Cy and I finished one and two on the night, which is crazy because he donked off half his money to me on that one hand. <laughs> so that was the story. At of least the it reason. stayed among the family. The story of the tax collector. All right. Well, that's a great way to lead into our podcast. We have two uh, special guests. They're going to join us on the other side of the break, and I see that they're here. Uh, and so uh, when we get back from our break, I'll introduce our guests. One of our new sponsors, um, which I liked them right off the bat because of their name. It kind of made me chuckle. Made you feel all warm and fuzzy. It did, because their name is Jace Medical. And I was, first I thought, is it this, like Jace, like my brother Jace? And it is. It's J-A-S-E Medical. And uh, so when we were doing our call with these guys to to kind of find out about their product and what they do, I was talking to the doctor who started this company, and uh, he said that he had uh, he had a dog named Jace that he loved, and also that Jace means healer in Old English. So Jace, your your name in Old English is healer. Yeah. And now they're sponsoring our podcast, so it's not our Jace, but it is Jace Medical, uh, and they they have a product. What what I love about it is it's a twelve month emergency supply called Jace Daily, and so for guys like me that take daily medication you know you get in a situation maybe you're traveling maybe it's rural maybe there's a supply chain issue and you're worried about being able to get your meds and so so you can purchase a 12-month emergency supply of your current daily prescription medication and so it basically has you prepared uh, which is really good Uh, getting your prescription is simple you go online you fill out a form uh, then you get your jace daily prescription delivered right to your door so they're going to give you that peace of mind. So you have to worry about storms, shortages, pandemics, whatever it is uh, that's worrying you about it. Check them out. Go to jacemedical.com. Enter the code unashamed at checkout for a discount on your order. So that's unashamed is your promo code, jasemedical.com. So welcome back uh, to Unashamed. Uh, we have a couple of guests uh, that are joining us, Jace. We do, and I know it's kind of the elephant in the room. How are we going to make this transition <laughs> from me telling a poker story that went way too long? And so I now have thought about it, and yep. I realize what the segue is for this. Because a wise man once said on the reason you should vote, it's not because you're voting, you're unlocking opportunity. <laughs> Well, that's what I was doing when I was playing cards. I wasn't, I wasn't gambling. I wasn't playing cards. I was unlocking financial opportunity for my family and my well-being. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder who that politician was. That do we do we know who he's talking about? I, th- I think I think the words were in reference to to unlocking spiritual opportunities, but <laughs> oh, not nonetheless, yeah. Yeah. Although, actually, Jace has a perfect segue uh, because our, our guest today, one of them happens to be a guy who knows about finances, so he might have something to say about that. So we got Allie Beth Stuckey, uh, who does a, a great podcast. On She's one of our fellow Blaze hosts, Relatable. I, I was telling somebody, Allie Beth, about your podcast. I said, you know, she does that Unrelatable podcast. And I was, wait, um, wait, wait. You know what? 
To some people, it might be unrelatable. Hopefully to the right people, it's unrelatable. It's very relatable. We always love having Allie Beth on. And as Jay said before we came on, uh, our podcast intellect goes way up. When when Ali Beth, you do. Oh, Ali Beth, you're oh, a superstar in the podcast world, and it's awesome to see someone, especially oh, you. of your young age, uh, being so articulate, and especially with your faith comes through oh, and your relationship with God. So yeah, I, I feel like I feel like ours are the most spiritual podcast on Blaze, I, and I don't listen to all of them, but I definitely have listened to Ali's. <laughs> well, I had never uh, watched your podcast alley until you were on ours and uh so then i was mm-hmm. like man i like this uh i had a conversation with my lovely wife who was already all over your podcast and she was like well where <laughs> yeah. you been jace and because i've never listened to our podcast but i've listened to several yeah. of yours since you were on here uh-huh. so. well thank you Thank you very much. And, I appreciate that. And so we are super excited today because not only do we have Allie Beth, but we also have her dad, uh, Ron Simmons. Uh, hello, Ron. Welcome to Unashamed. Hey. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks. So Ron has written a new book that I have here in my formerly nicotine-stained hands. Uh, the uh, That's a Rush Limbaugh reference. Uh, it's called Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but Ron, you, you have, you know, I read your book. It's excellent by the way. And so you've done a lot. Uh, you were three times uh, a Texas rep, uh, in the state house. Um, you have, you're a financial guy. You, you, you govern, the governor puts you in charge of things. I mean, you've got a pretty amazing past. So we're just glad to have you on Unashamed. Well, it's an honor to be here, especially with the connections that, we have personally to the Robertson family through Junction City. Exactly. And that's the first thing I want to ask because I did not realize this. Well, Alabeth had told us there was a connection, but until I read your book, I wasn't sure about what it was. So you said you moved to Junction City, Arkansas in 1973. And that immediately put my antenna up because we got a movie about to come out that's set in that era. And so I have to know. So did you did you know us then? Did you know Dad? Did had you what, what was what did you know about you the know, Robertsons in 1973? You is know, what I was wondering. We we knew you probably like you wouldn't want us to know you. That's we what moved I into the same. <laughs> we, we moved into the same house that y'all lived in. Uh, there by uh, there by the school. You remember that White House, Phil? That y'all yeah, lived in by that. the school. Oh, no. school had houses. We moved into you that came house. In My dad after? was the band director after y'all oh, because you had left some of your dog um, <laughs> residue behind. And uh, oh man, and on, I inside, left more residue way. behind than that. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you, you probably did, but we had a good we had a good spring cleaning. But yeah, we moved into that same house because oh, yeah. my dad was the band director. And uh, and the people said, well, this guy named Phil Robertson used to live here and he was out hunting all the time. And he was a you know football player at Tech and then came to coach up here. And of course, you know, I was coached by Al Bolin, which you've talked about Al in the past. And yep. I was coached wow. by Johnny Sweet, which you probably knew Johnny Sweet. I knew him both. And uh, also and uh, some of the other people that you. By knew, the way, so I baptized Al while I was up there one after, after about, about uh, probably ten years later, after his baptism, after I had repented, turned to God, y'all saw the mm-hmm. early stages, all bad. They made a movie of it. It's embarrassing, <laughs> but Al was one that 
after was a, an avowed atheist, and he yeah. called me after about 10 years, my conversion. First, he wanted me to keep running with him, drinking whiskey and all that. I said, nope, that one is dead, and this is the one that's alive. I said, I've turned my life over to God. So a few years goes by, he calls. I think it was after about 10 or 12 years. I shared the gospel with him, baptized him, and two months later, he fell dead on the third base. Wow. Dad coaching. coaching third base at a baseball game, high school baseball game. He coached, he coached me high school baseball and football. Yeah. So they asked me, the family of Boland, to come up there and do the funeral. I said, I don't even own a suit. I don't know. I, uh, I don't even know whether I could do that. But they said, the family wants you to do the funeral. So him being a brother of two months, I, I went up there and I told them what I told Al. You know, he conquered death for us all. Yeah, so, it was your wow. it was your return to Junction City, probably was the first your, time. Was it's that, the only the time I've time? ever returned to Junction City was at the funeral of Al Boland, which he to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Was that the first time you spoke to in public, or no? Pretty well. Yeah, wow, I just told nice. the audience. Well, I, you know that you know, rest assured, he's a son of God. He is my brother, and I pointed to the casket where he was his body, and I said, I shall see him again at the resurrection. Wow. Well, that was wow. me. Amen. That was really good. Well, I thought you would enjoy this. You probably remember this. This was my jersey back at Junction City. Oh, look at so there. Oh, the dragons. Remember the dragons? <laughs> yeah. <back then>? yeah. <laughs> good. Nice. I know. It was amazing. Oh. So you were, you were what, like uh like a middle schooler when y'all moved there? like Yeah, I was uh, seventh grade. So okay. seventh grade. So just played junior high football there. And yeah. Well, sure you was. know. And then finished, I finished high school there. I, went, I finished, uh, I graduated from there. Yeah, I saw your pictures in your book, which were amazing. And it took me back because, <laughs> you know, we were there on campus. And of course, I, you know, our stories, Ron, are very similar. Because you kind of gained independence at 17 when you graduated high school. I did as well. Now, your your story was much better because you went in a good direction. <laughs> Mine was not so good. <laughs> but but at the, but we share that. And we both, I guess, started early because I was an early graduate like you. So it was, And we both married women named Lisa. So I thought, you know. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like this guy. Uh, but as I was going to say, uh, Jace, I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned the house. But when Jace was a toddler, I was four during this time. Yeah, he got he got out one night and got under the ha that house. Here we go, and oh, and we could hear him like say, "Mama, mama." But it's <laughs> it's in the middle of the night, and and we're searching oh, the no. house looking for him. Do you remember this, Dad? Oh yeah. And we're trying to find him. Oh, I and, was trying to send y'all a message. <laughs> clean up, clean up what's going on inside this house, or I'm out of here. <laughs> At four years old, I don't know why I did that. Um, yeah. But I just remember it was, and then and then you got a whipping. I think after I think I did, and I, I'm still under protest about that because <laughs> we were all just reacting. Let's uh, let's take a break. So we love all of our sponsors, obviously, of the Unashamed Podcast because they're the ones that allow us to do what we do and get the gospel out there and have what I call good old Robertson Bible studies. But one of our sponsors, Barrel Buddy, uh, to show you what kind of company this is and the kind of folks they are. So, Jace, yesterday I got an email uh, from the guys at Barrel Buddy, and they sent me uh, a devotional 
that had really impacted him. And so he wanted to send that to him. He said, you know, you guys are doing great. We love the ads. We love what you guys are doing. But here's here's something that God had blessed me with. And I was like, now that's the kind of sponsors that you like to have, right? Exactly. And we, of course, they know we all hunt and, uh, you know, don't underestimate, you know, having a, a dirty gun. I mean, it's something we all have to do. I've cleaned guns for hours and hours and hours. Throughout well, you spend life. as much time as we have in YouTube more than me uh, out in in the wild, out in nature uh, with a gun, you're definitely going to have to have a good way to clean it. And so that's what these guys do. Uh, They came up with a great product because there wasn't a really great way before. They had patches that I used to clean with, but they're square and you're trying to get them in there and get it clean. Doesn't always work. They had the boar snake for a while. Problem with that is once you go through one time, you can't tell whether your gun barrel is clean or not. So they've come up with these polymer uh, white objects uh, that go into your gun barrel and you can tell exactly what comes out um, and it's not abrasive to your gun so it's a really good product like us they came up with it in the field and so we want you to check them out a great company barrel buddy it's what they're called barrelbuddy.com b-a-r-r-e-l buddy.com check them out So in your book, uh, Ron, the your, the red wagon is kind of a metaphor, but it's really good. So explain a little bit about kind of your mindset and what that means, and kind of what you were what that metaphor stands for in your life. Because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Yeah. You know, I, most of us had some type of wagon when we were little kids. It was a toy and, and what have you, and we did a lot of things with it. Right. It served a lot of purposes. But as I began to think about, you know, as you get older, you look back on your life. You know, when you know, your baby gets out of college and starts having her own babies and gets married and all that type of stuff. You start mm-hmm. reflecting. And for me, the wagon, the parts of the wagon were literally like parts of life. And that if you grabbed a hold of the handle, you were you were going to lead. Right. If you if you were the front wheels, you could change directions, but you still followed the lead of the handle. If you were the rear wheels, all you do is turn. Right. You don't you don't have any control other than pushing forward or pulling backward. And then and then sometimes you're just the cargo. So the point was, is that at different points in our life, we we are represented by all of those things. And a lot of people believe that they should only have the handle and should never be the cargo. But sometimes in our areas of our life, let's say our spiritual life, say I'm in a valley. I just need to crawl in and be the cargo and let somebody else have the handle. And, uh, you know, we have a son that has uh, a disability, has autism. And Lisa and I had to realize that he's going to be cargo for us the rest of his life, no matter what. And so I just thought it was a good metaphor to use through the different areas of your life, whether it be spiritual, business, relationship, finance. And it related to me that way. And the and the purpose was a lot like you guys. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, there's not very many Tiger Woods in the world or even Billy Graham's, but there's a lot of everyday people yep. that if they'll just kind of take the next steps, uh, they can have a significant impact, uh, you know, for, for the Lord. Good advice. No, it was it was great. It spawned a, a great discussion between my wife and I this morning because she, she, I told her who, our guests and who was going to be on, and she said, what's the name of his book and I said the little red wagon life lessons from the little red wagon and she went oh she said I have so many good memories of what we had a red wagon I was like you had a red wagon of course <laughs> Al, you remember we had a red wagon oh yeah ours and, was dangerous <laughs> well that's what I was fixed to say here she told me about cute puppies going in the wagon and doing picnics and I said 
The last time I saw our red wagon, the handle had been broken because it was used like a spear. As a weapon. Yeah. And I said, we were trying to go down this big hill during an ice storm. That's right. On the wagon. It was our, ch- we were racing various things. I don't know where y'all were because this was really extremely dangerous. <laughs> One of us was on a piece of tin. When somebody was on the red wagon. Somebody else had two pieces of siding because, you know, we don't get a lot of snow here in no. Louisiana. So. What's crazy is if you had pivoted left. In the river. Off the, you're in the river. I mean, you're dead. <laughs> hypothermia. <laughs> and so I told her our stories, you know, and she said, well, maybe there's somewhere in that book about y'all needed just to hand the handle to Jesus. And I said, yeah, that's what we needed, babe. But, uh, you know, it's so crazy that that metaphor, I mean, it immediately, who didn't have a red wagon when they were, they were little and, uh. So well, I just I, I love the awesome. I love the way, Ron, that you. By the way, I just your, your personal to do a life journey. I mean, the metaphor was great, but you were so transparent, even about your own life, which I thought was really powerful. And and I, I want you to comment. One of the things that, that the chapter that that really locked me in was the one called "Taking the Next Uncomfortable Step." which I thought was a really powerful one. So tell a little bit about that, kind of what that was for you, but also how important that is for other people. Because, you know, we don't like the idea of doing something uncomfortable. But you made such a strong point that that's at the point where you grew the most is when you took that step. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, oh, thank yeah. And I'll let Allie comment on it as well because yeah. she's we've had these conversations within our family before. But you know what I found was that most people stop just before something happens, and whether or not that's our own fear, whether or not that's Satan trying to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. I'm not always sure, but what I've tried to learn myself and teach other people is that, okay, most people know what the next step is, but it's uncomfortable. So we want to stay in our comfort zone. And I've just encouraged people that I've worked with people that, you know, my family, just take, just take the next uncomfortable step. Yes. It could be embarrassing. It could, it could make you take a step backwards, but take it anyway, because that's the only way you'll be able to discover What's on the other side of the mountain? And I don't know, Allie probably has some thoughts on that too, because we've talked about that a lot. I think my parents did a really good job of, of course, leading us in faith and not putting too much pressure on us to make the next big decision perfectly. For example, when I was trying to decide where to go to college, I grew up in Texas and I decided I wanted to go out of Texas, but I was nervous. I didn't know if I was going to know anyone at this college that I ended up going to in South Carolina. And both of my parents did a really good job of giving me peace by saying, you know what, you're not in control. All you can do really is the next right step or the next uncomfortable step. And I say a lot, do the next right thing in faith with excellence and for the glory of God, which is the same kind of concept. Ultimately, like God is sovereign. We're not in control of the ultimate, um, the ultimate conclusion of our life, God is. So we have to do the next right thing in faith and leave the rest to God, which is a very freeing, a very liberating feeling. They said, college is not prison. You make the best decision that you can with the information that you have right now, and God is going to guide your steps. And having that really kind of like smaller view of yourself Rather than as someone who is, well, I'm in charge, I dictate all my steps, I'm going to determine the direction this goes. 
and just saying, you know what, I only have the capacity and ability to do the next right thing as a finite person. That's all I can do. That's a very, I think, just like joy inducing feeling, knowing that I'm not ultimately in charge and I can only put one right foot in front of the other. Uh, so, so Ali, you actually had one of the lines that's in the book uh, that jumped out at me is, is uh, your dad attributed to you. He took you hunting and you said, I don't think this is a hunt. It's more like a nature walk. So, (laughs) so did you guys hunt a lot? I mean, did y'all do a lot of stuff when you were young? Obviously from the book, you can tell y'all had a close relationship, but what was that like? Yeah, that's probably the extent of my hunting expertise. Sorry. This this is probably not the right podcast to share that on. Um, But yes, we didn't go hunting a lot. We did have a property in Texas that we would go out to. There were a lot of nature observing opportunities. I think we went hunting a couple times, tried to hunt squirrels when I was eight. I liked the whole process the picking out the different camouflage outfits and things like that but i probably had the same (laughs) attitude about hunting that i did about sports which was what are we doing for lunch yeah that's and yeah i can't i can't say that i was any uh i don't know annie oakley like that with with the gun i know a woman who shares the same thoughts that you do and i've been married to her for 32 years so i understand that completely i grew up i hunted when i was young we lived down in we lived outside of junction city in lily if you remember where lily is oh yeah we lived down there on some property and so i hunted by myself and then duck hunted as a uh, as a young man and still that today in fact i have a i should have brought a picture of him i have a a champion uh chocolate lab that's uh actually going to be in the national finals for the hunt test and the super retriever series well, so you i'm know. excited about that's that that's good yeah yeah, I've yeah, got a whole bit exciting. I do about chocolate labs, so I'm going to mention that, that. I have two dogs being trained as I speak, and uh, it's come out of old blue, Jace. Yeah. Uh, One I, of them's name is Deuce. Are they whining? No. Hey. That's my dog's name, Phil, That's, is Deuce. Really? Deuce, well, what do you know? What is going Good on? Night. I, I'm telling you, we've got synergy <laughs> here. We've got synergy working yeah. with this family that we come up with the same name. So well, another- He's been trained, and I'll pick him up in September for teal season and we'll see what he oh, can do good. because uh yeah. old blue his dad that that dog's still alive he's about 14 but he has wow. retrieved oh my goodness hundreds and hundreds of ducks for us with that we never would have gotten but he can he yeah. rounds them up so uh it's a lot of fun working with dogs while you're out there on the hunt. I love that more than anything, really. I mean, you I, bet you. I, that's the favorite part. So you mentioned in the book, you, you have an illustration there from Lonesome Dove, and this statement got me. You said that Lonesome Dove is the greatest TV miniseries of all time. Well, we have another thing in common. There you go. I, I had to mention <laughs> that because we talk about it all the time on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. It's, we quote that all the time around our house. In that fact, was a qualifier that was for a qualifier my future for, husband. Yeah, for Jason, are you, ready for your, are you ready for your musical little bit? No, I'm not doing that, Phil. <laughs> I, I was making dove calls earlier. That was the good, bad, and the ugly, by the way. I, I'm not going to make any more bird sounds with my hands. Dad's, now Dad's trying to get Jace to perform. I like that. It's like, oh, perform lonesome, for our guests. Lonesome dove. I can do a dove sound. Oh, lonesome dove. With, with my well, hands. do the dove sound, Jace. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Everybody did this. when. They, well, you might have done this, Allie Beth, when you were taking your nature walks. But So if oh, you yeah. put your hands together and put air... 
which is good. a wow. which is a dove. And you can, if you want to mm-hmm. show an exciting dove. So. That's impressive. That's very good of the morning. <laughs> I, I didn't work hard on it. Uh, I've been doing it <laughs> since I was four back in a little place called Junction City, Arkansas. I was under yeah. the house one time under making that house. sound. Yeah. <laughs> and later he got a whipping for it. So it's, it's a conflicted thing now going forward. Yeah, and yeah. a guy wrote a song about it, When the Doves Cry. And no, I'm just making this up. I think that was a print song. So, so uh, uh, Ron, our last little bit here. T- tell folks uh, what what you hope they get from the book. Kind of, kind of. You know, people always ask somebody, "Why'd you write this book?" But uh, I, I think I know from reading it. But tell folks kind of why you wrote it and, and why you think it's something that would bless them. Well, I, I, first of all, I, I wrote it because I believe that again, there are a lot more people that are like me out there than there are like the superstars of the world. And that I want to encourage people that, that, you know, you have in front, no matter what your challenges were, you know, you have in front of you the opportunity to take the next uncomfortable step to look to, to uh, have your life guided by God and your faith and what have you make sure that that stays in place. But that also, I believe God honors righteous action. And so, you know, if we wait forever, we'll end up, you know, probably going to get to heaven, but we're just going to be waiting. And so I want people to be able to go out there and not only have their faith, but live their faith through the actions that they take, not only in business, but also uh, with their family and realize that if you, you, you need to understand that at some times you're going to be the cargo. Sometimes you're going to be the wheel, the back wheels, but sometimes you're going to be the lead. If you think you're going to pull that handle the whole time, you're going to have a very frustrating life. You have to realize where you are at different points in your life with different areas of your life. Excellent advice. No, I thought it was a great book, and I loved. I was glad you brought it up uh, about your son, about Daniel, because that chapter touched me as well. That not only is it what you teach people and your children, especially, but what they teach you. Uh, which which right. I thought no was really powerful. Well, I want to say too, you you know we're in we're in the book of Luke in our normal podcast, and I think it's probably uh, the number one book for showing that Jesus was for the poor and those who were sick and and suffering and those from the wrong side mm-hmm. of the tracks, and it just over and over, which is very inspiring that you know our our lord is a champion to all people but i know you had to be vulnerable writing this book and i i think i heard on uh one of your podcasts where i i saw that you and your wife were diagnosed with cancer and i yeah. just thought wow y'all have talked about that y'all have attacked that y'all have discussed that the things you uh wrote in that book and it just you know it just made it uh it made me kind of emotional you know when y'all said that because i was like well well, they're just dealing with this head on. And uh, I wanted to say that we've been praying for you and your wife. And Thank you very much. You, it's been inspirational to kind of just see you living your life based on what you just wrote about, you know. So I wanted to, well, to mention that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And we're proud of all of our kids. We're very proud of Allie Beth. As you know, she's, uh, she's taken um, the best of her mother and uh, just expanded <laughs> that. And we're very, very proud of her, what she's done. Uh, so, Alabeth, it's we we joked about this before uh, you guys came on. That it seems to be either you're on our podcast or one of us is on yours when you're pregnant. 
I don't I don't yes. know what that means. Somehow the, yeah, it's all know. aligned, but you're you're expecting again, correct? I follow you on yes. Twitter, so I Number already knew three. that. But yeah, so tell yes. us uh, kind of. I thought going that on. was from the first time I saw you four years ago. I said her belly's big again. <laughs> I know. Thought I was still pregnant. What what he said was, Beth. He said I, I didn't want to say anything, but I wasn't sure if you were pregnant or just was hooked on cornbread. I think was the way he he so articulate. Yes, it's a, it's a good chance that it's probably both. I met Phil for the first time a few years ago, and he was gracious enough to come on my podcast. And he didn't say anything. Well, I was like eight months pregnant at that point. So he could have safely said something, but he kept his observations to himself. And I learned later it's because he actually has a kind of muddy history with this. He of actually telling someone that they're pregnant when they're not pregnant. Yeah. So even though I was about to pop, he was like, nope, I'm not going to make that mistake again, which is That's probably it. good. Yeah, you got to figure it out now, Allie Bell. <laughs> which which shows you that we That's can good. all grow. That's uh, yeah, that happened yes, on more than yes. more more than one occasion, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Uh, but so, let me let me just say if I can ahead. just say one thing just about just to tout my dad's book, is that you can tell he is, I mean, this is sincere. He's a very humble person and of course he wouldn't take any credit for the accomplishments that he has achieved and it is to God be the glory and the grace of God. But I just like he has led such a life of success really coming from nothing. I mean, you guys know Junction City Roots, not necessarily the fanciest place to come from. And he has endured a lot of adversity. I mean, time after time in different stages of his life, I feel very fortunate to have gained the wisdom that he has gleaned from the hardships in his own life. And his, uh, you know, one of the themes that he has told us is that you don't. You shouldn't have to learn from your own mistakes. Like learn from someone else's mistakes. That's actually go. how you can gain wisdom. And he has just been so diligent in passing that wisdom down to us. And if there's anyone who embodies taking the next uncomfortable step, I mean, everything that he has accomplished has been because he has been willing to take an uncomfortable, inconvenient, sacrificial step. And that's why he has achieved all the things that he has achieved, of course, by the mercy and the providence of God. And so if that's something that I know, especially for my generation, we just we're so used to instant gratification. We're so used to things coming easily. We're like a microwave generation. If you want like the time tested stuff, the stuff that our generation typically just kind of like puts off and says that's too hard, then you should read this book. Good thing is it only takes like a day to read. But you're going to get that timeless wisdom of, oh, how do you build a legacy? Like, how do you build a life that's not just glorifying to God, but is successful because you did the next hard but right thing? Um, so I know my dad won't brag on himself, but I just wanted to brag on him because all the wisdom that I've gleaned and been able to apply to my life, he puts in this little readable book. And it really is such a helpful tool. Well said. That's the best endorsement ever, Mr. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> no Can't question beat that. about that. Well, look, if we, Ron, if we had never met you, just based on our uh, time we've met and spent with Allie Beth, I would have known that you were a good person and you had something going on because to produce children uh, who are adults that impact the world and the kingdom uh, the way that yeah. she's doing and that we're trying to do uh, says a lot about, you know, 
your values and who you are. So uh, we okay. commend you on that. Congratulations on the book. It, I'm assuming folks just get it where they get books. Is there any special place they can Anywhere go? Anywhere you get books, Amazon. Um, it'll be coming out on Audible here in a couple of weeks. It's, uh, yeah, in, in the, if people want to contact me, they can reach me at ron at ronsimmons.com. Okay. Love to be able to help any way I can. Well, look, I read it. It's it's outstanding. I highly recommend it uh, as well. So we appreciate you guys coming on. It's always a good excuse to have Allie Beth on. But now, Ron, with our <laughs> Junction City connection, uh, we oh, feel yes. like we feel like we're brothers from another mother now. So we got. That I feel like there's a duck hunt coming somewhere that we can. Oh, have some yeah. fun. I think you're going to work it in. I think you're going to have to come get in the blind with us for us to get the whole Junction City oh. story. No doubt about <laughs> it. I can't wait to do that. That'll be fun. <laughs> all right, where we're we doing this podcast, all the vehicles and the mud vehicles and the decoy—that's where they are, right? Right here, right all around, right on the other side of the wall. Yep. <laughs> nice, nice. So you, you'll love it. It'll be your playground. It's actually quite oh, scary, but it is where we. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Allie's is a lot nicer than ours. <laughs> yeah. If you want to bring your family, Allie, you can hang out with my wife uptown. That's right. And, we'll uh, put you someplace. That's nice. awesome. I was about to say, y'all can do that. I'll be inside eating cornbread stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tending to babies. Though. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, congratulations, okay. Ron. You. And uh, folks, uh, be sure and go and get this book and check it out. It's always great to have Allie Beth on. And, you know, I mean, I, it was really amazing because I felt a real connection to his story. He didn't, we didn't get into this on the podcast, but his, so his parents split up when they were in Junction City. And so then it was a lot of difficulty. Yeah, he was a teenager. Yeah, he was young. And uh, I saw that he worked at a grocery store, too. You did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of similarities. What are the odds that I would run back into somebody who lived in Junction City, Arkansas? Yeah. and Well, lived in our house. house. But the house was on school property, so it belonged to the school, yep. which is why we were there. And then, of course, his dad was the band leader, so then they were right after us. Huh. But what are the odds of He that? said, yeah, we had to do a little spring cleaning. <laughs> what do you yeah. say? A little leftover dog issue. <laughs> I don't even know what he that means. He was being real nice, <laughs> he was. but he was saying, boy. So you know what's funny, Jay? So I, went, I spoke up there uh, not too many years ago, and so I went back over and looked, and it was so amazing because like anything from your childhood, first of all, the whole area was just so tiny, but in my mind, it was huge. It was, we roamed and, you know, would go away for hours, I thought. And everything was right there within view of that, where that house used to be. The house is gone now, and there's a bus bar in there now. But this, in my mind, there was a mountain behind our house. Well, it was a hill, you know, it was just a, but, yeah. you know, when you're a I child, the same way you everything know. looks, yeah, I, I've thought that many times in my life. Yeah. You know, I was like, man, this was tiny. <laughs> That's right. All these, my exploration areas were all within, you know, sight of the house, which is pretty amazing. Well, anyway, I just, we love, Allie Beth is just so sharp and, her her stuff is so good. And look, she she's very godly and spiritual, but then she's, you know, conservative and man, cultural wars. She she takes on everything, which you know, she's an yeah. amazing person. Yeah, I so. enjoy listening to her. It's always good. So anyway, uh be sure and uh check out their book. It, his book, it really is good. Um and it and he's got a lot of really interesting things in there about his life. So uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that as well as uh, what we're going to be talking about uh, on the next podcast in our overtime, if you want to follow us over, uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed. That's where we're headed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.